0: Hey guys, welcome to the Ancient Plan podcast. We're um, excited to be here, ready to study another chapter of the Bible with you guys tonight. My name Jeff, and I'm joined by my friend Ray. And um, yeah, we're going to be looking at um, Jeremiah chapter 31 today, as well as Ezekiel chapter 36, and really just talking about um, the, the, the new covenant and the, the significance of it and how it relates to the other covenants that God uh, made in the Bible. But um, before we jump into that, I just want to say that we're in season one, uh, this of our podcast, and what we're doing in season one is we're just studying key chapters throughout the Bible, and we're we're just learning the the main story that the Bible is telling. You know, although the Bible is a library of thirty, I'm sorry, sixty six different books, um, it really tells one story from beginning to end. So what begins in Genesis chapter one of the Bible continues to unfold. The plot does until it comes to its glorious conclusion at the end of the Bible in Revelation 22. And so we're just kind of following that plot line through the Bible and learning that. And before we get into today's chapter, I want to just answer a question that um, uh, somebody had asked us uh, on our Facebook page, the Ancient Plan Facebook group. And we got it right here. This is uh, Zach Fernald. And uh, he, he said a question that I've gotten from a couple people as I've been doing these Bible studies. So he's actually doing these um, biblical storyline studies with others and uh, in his youth group. And then he says this is the question that he's getting. Why these specific chapters? They seem so random, which is I love that question. <laughs> That's really good. And he goes on yeah. after that that, you know, he says some other really good things in there. But, um, yeah, Ray, I'll let you take a crack at that first and and just kind of sharing. Why are we doing these chapters? Why is it important to kind of look at the big storyline of the Bible?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't like to pretend that, like, I understand the the Bible from cover to cover. But there is, like, a main framework in the Bible from which you're working from. And so, you know, sometimes, you know, like, if you, you, you read the book of Esther, it's got some really good stuff in it for encouragement. And it probably fits somewhere into the main storyline, but it doesn't uh, produce part of the overall, you know, skeleton uh, of the main story that's happening, uh, like the covenants do, you know, or like the creation story does, or uh, like the new covenant or the life of Jesus does. And so these chapters are kind of like the narrowed down version of getting the main just the main wireframe built um, so that you can have a clearer understanding of the direction that the Bible is going and the story that it, it is taking you on. So you really, you want to, I mean, if you're really dedicated, I recommend like read through your Bible like five or six times. And and then when you, when you start going back through, you're going to start seeing some of the same things over and over again. And it's going to play into, Shaping your worldview and the way that you think about the world, and the way that you think about Christianity, the way that you think about Judaism, um, what what the uh, uh, scenario is right now with Israel and, the, and God's plan with, for for Israel, and so when those building blocks all start getting into place through these chapters it just becomes so much easier to understand the overarching story and that's not that the other details aren't important because they really are but when you get the main framework going it gives you a lot more confidence and a lot more clarity on how to live your life and what to expect instead of just thinking that we're kind of like lost in history and like you know eh, the, mike bickle always says the train is off the tracks like it's it, the train is not off the tracks that's what mike bickle says it's not off the tracks it's just we have to understand the biblical storyline in order to know that it's not off the tracks so i don't know you, you jeff i'm interested in hearing your answer
0: Yeah, you know, I thought about this when I'm like, what's a uh, what's I'm passionate about learning the big story of the Bible, like super passionate about it. Like it's one of my main things I'm focusing on in almost every aspect of my ministry right now is teaching people to see the big story that the Bible's telling. And I I think one of the reasons I feel so passionate about it is because um, I think for a lot of years, although I love Jesus, I was born again and i understood parts of the story i really didn't understand uh some of the major major like uh main points of the story i didn't even have those in my thinking and so um as i've learned those over the years um it has helped the the whole bible make so much more sense to me like there were parts of the bible i understood and i loved like the gospels most of the new testament except for revelation uh and then uh parts of the old testament i love the stories but a lot of the minor prophets huge sections of the major prophets uh, i'd i just be like i don't really know what to do with that and um but when i understand the the big story that the bible's telling all of a sudden those individual parts of the story come clear because yeah. you see how they fit into the big picture And it has done such an awesome thing in my heart. And it's actually, um, so I'll say it like this. Like, I think a lot of times, um, you know, we're all like this. This is just our culture. This is the way we are. It's, I'm not even blaming anybody for this. But a lot of times we're always thinking of ourselves first. And we think um, everything revolves around us. And it's, you know, it's all about me. I mean, that's just the natural way to view things. And even sometimes the way that we preach the gospel, we preach it that way. And um, or the way that we understand the gospel, we kind of understand it about that way. And so like so I kind of think like. The whole thing that God's doing and that God's about is making me happy and making me healing me, prospering me blessing all my relationships. So I'm really, really happy and everything, um, making me successful and I'll be a good person. Um, and it's, it's actually wrong order. Uh, the first order is <laughs> God is, God is building something that's huge. He's doing something on the earth and He tells the story of what he's doing in the Bible. And it starts in Genesis. And I think the first thing we need to know is ask is what is God doing in the earth? And it's not even just I used to ask that question, but it was I was thinking in my generation. I was thinking, what is God doing? What are the revivals that I want to be a part of? What are the cool advances and breakthroughs that are happening right now? And I think that's good. I do ask those questions. I want to participate in those moves of God. But there's something even bigger that God's doing um that goes way beyond just what's happening in my generation he's actually in my generation i'm living in the middle of a story that he's that he's building upon from previous generations and and um you start reading it in genesis 1 the story unfolds he's doing something in the earth and it continues to unfold and here's the crazy thing so i like to say this like the bible it does two things it tells us a story Of what god's doing on the earth and with people and then um the second thing it does is it tells us since this story is true here's how you need to live in light of this story and and there's um we're are right now when you read that the genesis and everything that's happened everything we've covered so far in the biblical storyline it's like this is what's happened throughout history and it makes sense of why things are the way they are today yeah. And it gives me perspective. If I can see why is crazy sin, why are there so much corrupt leaders? Why is there so much perversion? Why <laughs> is there there's so much brokenness and pain and all this kind of stuff going on in the world? I know exactly why that stuff is going on. And the reason I know is because of Genesis 3. I know because of what's unfolded in the biblical story. But here's the awesome part. It not only tells us what's happened and why things are the way they are today, but it tells us the future. Yeah. Like we know, like, do you know the advantage that is we know how the story is going to end because it tells us in the Bible. And and it's important that we understand the whole story, not just study. Some people just like to study the end. I'm going to study the end times. I'm like, but you're not going to study the end of the story unless you yeah. see the, the beginning of the story, because that helps the end of the story make sense. So We need to study the whole thing. That's why we're taking the time to look at it. And in particular, why we're looking at these specific chapters. Um, th- honestly, that's my best attempt. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I would love to challenge. This is a good exercise. I, I challenge every listener. Try to sit down and limit yourself. You're only allowed to pick like 20 to 25 chapters of the Bible. And try to pick, you know, think of the big story that the Bible tells and try to pick the key chapters that you think would do the best job at following the major developments in the plot lines of the story. Yeah. And that's that's where I got. This is my best attempt at doing that. And I may change these. I, I still I've changed these a bunch of times. I may change them in the future, but um, that's why we pick these particular chapters. But I encourage you, you know, if you're doing these studies on your own and you're like, man, I think this chapter would tell this part of the story better than the one that jeff and ray picked then then do your chapter you know what i mean that's fine like make it your own but the bible tells one story and it's the same story and so we can't we can't just um we want to make sure that we're doing justice to the true story that the bible's telling and not just telling our favorite parts of it but trying to really capture um what the, the story that god's trying to tell hope that made sense that was a long answer to a great question it's good Super good. Oh, can I, I just got to read, I wanted to read this quote. This isn't my quote, but it kind of goes with what I was saying. I love it. This is by a guy named Steve Smith. And um, he wrote a book called Spirit Walk. And this is, this is a quote from this book. He says, too often we ask the wrong question. What is God's will for my life? That question is self-centered. It's about you and your life. The right question is, what is God's will? Period. And then how can my life best serve that? Oh, that's mm. so good. That is, yeah. that's what I'm trying to say in, in a short way. Yeah. He said it better. To glorify God's name, you must understand what God is doing in our generation and, and what he is about. I would say, though, you can't understand what he's doing in our generation fully unless you understand what he's doing in the, all the generations yeah. and where we fit in that. Figure that out and then ask God how you can best serve him and his will. And um, I just think that's an excellent quote.
1: Mm. Powerful. Yeah.
0: Thank I would, you so I would, I would, question.
1: I would add the key to the, one of the central keys to that is to understand the the election of Israel. And it's like, if yes. you, and when I say understand it, I mean, just begin to go on the journey. I'm not saying like be perfect in knowing or know, know it perfectly. I'm just saying, go on that, go on that journey. And it, It starts answering that question, and then it it drives the purpose of your life, Um, because you see the you see where world history is going, and then you understand. Oh, it's not like everything isn't about like this ten year span. It's about a two thousand year span, and it actually gives you hope for the future. So,
0: you know, isn't this interesting? Like you're not. Well, I'll just say this: you're not going to be. We can't understand God's purpose for the earth without understanding israel's role in the story I and mean, you just can't Absolutely. it's not possible they're all through the bible of course we we're doing we're looking at that right now you can't avoid it but yeah. here's what happens when we get and, and it's easy we all can do this we've got to learn to not do this but all of us have this tendency to think it's all about us so so gentiles the church <laughs> says forget israel it's all about us it was all to get to us that's what it was all right. about. Right. and we just say forget Israel, and God's like, no, it's like you're part of their story. I'm grafting you into their story. But you know right. what? Like I've I've heard uh, Messianic Jewish believers, you know, say things to this effect about about a tendency of the Jewish people is to, it's all about us. It's all about, we're, we're God's people. It's all about us. And God's like, no, actually I'm working through you and through you, I'm going to bless all the nations. And it's like, we all need to take a step back and look at the big story and see that God has a big plan for all nations and for the whole earth. And it's glorious. And when we understand the plan, then we can zoom in and understand our role in the big
1: story. It's good. Amen. um
0: yeah any were there any other questions or anything Ray that you saw in there that actually
1: shared? so i th- I thought I saw another question, but it wasn't. It was just a part of this question, and so it okay. was just split and so i th- I think we I think we covered it. I think we answered all the questions
0: okay, cool. do you want to do the four parts of the biblical storyline and then we'll jump into the study
1: yeah, let's do it so I got it right here <clears throat> I can put it up for you, oh, you we've been it. doing we've been going through um like we said, the main wireframe, and so that's what we're doing here in the first season of the Ancient Plan podcast. Uh, so we started with creation, which is Genesis one and two, uh, then you have the fall, which is Genesis chapter three. Then you have the redemptive process the, in the biblical storyline, which you find from Genesis three to Revelation chapter twenty-two. Uh, and I would just say, like, buy into buy into reading your entire Bible because what it what it helps what it, what it's going to help you do is ext- stay away from um, extreme theological ideas because you'll have one part of the bible that seemingly says something and then another bible part of the bible that seemingly contradicts the initial thing said and and the challenge is, is that you've got to hold it in intention and in balance um, so that you don't you don't go in an extreme direction so understanding the covenants and the redemptive storyline really helps us avoid picking, um, you know, extreme theological veins or ideas. Like uh, I would say one for me that, that really stands out to me is like kingdom now theology that like we are just in the kingdom now, fully in the kingdom. And we would base this off of like uh, a verse in Colossians, but then there's other verses that would say, nah, nah, actually, the the we cannot receive the kingdom in our flesh and blood, First uh, Corinthians chapter fifteen. So I would just say, be committed to understanding Genesis three through revelation twenty two. This is what our life is about as believers anyway, right? And so I always say this to myself, to my inner man. if you if you're willing to binge watch something on Netflix, you need to be able to binge read your Bible, right? So, and then uh, the final restoration part four, um, which is in Revelation chapter 21 through 22, which basically uh, restores everything that was broken uh, in the fall uh, in Genesis chapter three. So that's the four parts of the biblical storyline that we're going through here in season one. I'm sorry that I had to give small sermon in the middle of that, but it seemed to put- it's okay.
0: We're <laughs> preachers. That's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's
0: who we are, uh, so we'll go ahead and i'm going to read today what we're going to do is we're we're, we've come to the part in the biblical storyline where god's already made a covenant with abraham he's already made the the mosaic covenant with with abraham's descendants israel and then he's um made the davidic covenant and then now we get to this point where we're going to read these prophecies in jeremiah and one in ezekiel where god basically tells israel he says i'm going to be making a new covenant (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm going to add a covenant to the to the ones I've already made um, with you. And then and he begins to tell what it is and explain why it's necessary. And um, so that's what we're going to focus on today is that part of the biblical story. And then, of course, after this, we get in and the Messiah is born. We'll get to Matthew chapter one and uh, we'll see it unfold. But I want to read Ezekiel. I'm sorry, Jeremiah chapter one. So let me just put that up on the screen. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I love them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people and they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives saying, you should know the Lord for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord, and I will forgive their wickedness and I will again, I will never again remember their sins. And so let me just look at Ezekiel. I'll read that and then we'll just talk about both of these. Okay. And then in Ezekiel, <clears throat> chapter 36, therefore give the people of Israel this message from the sovereign Lord I am bringing you back, not, but not because you deserve it. I am doing it to, he's talking about bringing them back to their land because they've been exiled. Um, he says, but not because you deserve it. I am doing it to protect my holy name on which you brought shame while you were scattered among the nations. I will show how holy my great name is, the name on which you brought shame among the nations. And when I reveal my holiness through you before their very eyes, says the sovereign Lord, then the nations will know that I am the Lord. That's so beautiful. Mm. For I will gather you up from all the nations and bring you home again to your land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols and I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony stubborn heart and give you a tender responsive heart and I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations." And you will live in israel the land i gave to your ancestors long ago Ah, i can't see that last part you will be my people and i will be your god Mm. so here you know in these two passages these are two places um, where he tells israel long before jesus ever showed up this is hundreds of years before jesus was born of a virgin um god announces to them that a new co- And there's a time coming when he's going to initiate a new covenant with them. And then he talks about it. So um, let's talk about these scriptures, Ray. And I want to talk, first of all, like uh, what stands out to you in these passages when he describes this new covenant he's going to make with
1: them? You know, typically when we think of the new covenant, we think of the, the spirit living within us, us being in Christ, Christ being in us, uh, the propitiation of sin. Uh, being justified before God, you know, and so, but we don't typically think of Israel, right? That's, (laughs) it's, it's like our, our, our Western thinking. We just don't think that way. But if you read this here, uh, it says, I will show you, I will show how holy my great name is the name on which you, uh, you brought shame among the nations. And when I reveal my holiness through you before their very eyes, says the sovereign Lord, then the nations will know that I am the Lord. Um, And so just zooming out a little bit from the way we think about the new covenant as being like a personal, you know, reconciliation to God, which we should think of it that way. Like it's, it's, that's not wrong. It's just one part of the new covenant. It's not the whole thing. And so I would say secondarily or primarily when you read here in Ezekiel, it's, it's literally about peace coming to the nations because Israel responds correctly um, to Yahweh God. And so, When we say we want, you know, peace on earth and peace in the nations, like, we need to know as as Bible-believing Christians that will never happen until Israel responds to God the way that God has destined them to respond. And that's through the new covenant with a new heart, right? And so that's why it's so important, like, understanding where world history is going and it gives us confidence, like... What we know in the promises of God through the prophetic oracles in Jeremiah and Ezekiel is that Israel one day is going to respond. And because Israel responds, the nations are going to respond. And and when they do, that's when Jesus comes back, right? And and that's the restoration of all things. So it plays into the big storyline. So the new covenant not just being... Well, you get, you know, you get the Holy Spirit inside of you, which I'm not downplaying that at all. That's magnificent. Um, plus, you're in Christ, uh, Romans chapter 6. Um, Christ is in you, you know, um, so you stand before God fully justified and holy, right? Because of the, the one who lives inside of you. But also, Israel is getting that same thing, but they need to respond, They need to respond to that covenant um, in the way outlined in the prophets for the nations to fully respond. And so when we get ideas like we're going to Christianize the nations, we're going to, you know, um, what do they call it? The seven mountains, we're going to take, you know, that's the strategy. Like that is not the biblical strategy. The biblical strategy strategy is laid out right there in Ezekiel. Israel has to respond. Mm. So that's the first thing that sticks out to me. Um, I know that might've been a little bit different than what maybe you were expecting, but you go, you go ahead. I want to hear what your thoughts are.
0: Yeah, I guess. Um, I mean, there's a lot of ways to answer that question. I, I'll start by answering it this way. Um, none of the other covenants, they, they're all important. And this new covenant does not replace, it doesn't do away with the, the other covenants. It builds upon it. Build, and yeah. So it doesn't replace the promise to Abraham that you're going to have many descendants and I will bless you. And through you and your offspring, all nations will be blessed. And you'll, they'll live in this land of Canaan forever. It's their land. It doesn't replace or do away with any of that. It doesn't do away with um, the Mosaic covenant, which is basically Abraham's descendants, Israel. And he's like, Hey, here's your land. You're going to live in it. I'm bringing you into it. However, you need to obey my commandments. And uh, in order to occupy it and if you do i'll bless you if you don't i'll discipline you and i'll remove you from it and then when you repent i'll bring you back the problem was and then of course there's the davidic covenant which is like tells king david one of your descendants will rule as king of israel forever from jerusalem and will rule all the nations which we've looked at before this new covenant though the problem with all those other covenants none of them were intended to actually fix the sinful nature None of them. And so that's why you see over and over again, even the Mosaic covenant playing out again and again. It's like they keep going back to idolatry, they keep going back to sexual immorality, they keep going back to selfish ambition, therefore stealing and coveting and greed and on and on and on and corruption and not relying on the Lord and relying on the arm of the flesh or relying on other nations and compromising to to get people to other nations to like them um, yeah you know instead of trusting in and relying on the lord it's because none of these other covenants actually dealt with fixing the issue of the sinful nature the yeah. new covenant fixes the issue of the, of sinful the sinful, nature, right it which
1: is, makes it so they can live in the land
0: yeah and so what happens is is and that actually when you read these two ch- chapters like when i wish we would have had time I encourage everybody go read all of jeremiah 31 actually do yeah. 30 and 31 and then read all of ezekiel 36 and it continues on in 37 38 39 um because all of it is in the context of the covenant because god basically says um a time is coming basically the uh the armies of the nations are going to invade you and uh it's going to be the time of Jacob's trouble. It's going to be the greatest suffering that they've ever experienced, but it's also the Lord's discipline because of their sin. Right. And then God says, but I'm going to come and I'm going to rescue you. When I'm done disciplining you, I'm going to punish those nations and I'm going to rescue you and I'm going to restore you. And you're going to live in your land again. And then I'm going to give you a new heart. Yeah. And then, and and that's what Ezekiel's saying. That's exactly what Jeremiah is saying. Both of those chapters are telling the same exact end time, end of the age story about Israel that culminates in them them coming into this new covenant relationship with God um, where they get the new heart. And then they they never they're always loyal to Jesus after that and they never worship idols again. And so Mm -hmm. they never have to leave the land again. They occupy it forever, which actually ushers in the age to come and the reign of God filling the nations of the earth and it's yeah. absolutely glorious but actually all these covenants this is the interesting thing um they all come to their total fulfillment at the same time mm. the return of Jesus and his reign upon the earth that's powerful yeah yeah they all the Abrahamic covenant um yeah. it comes to its complete fulfillment yeah. At the end of the age, when Jesus returns and reigns the Mosaic covenant, where they never have to leave the land again, you know yeah. what I mean? It comes because at the end of the age, when they look upon the one that they have pierced and they mourn and all Israel is saved, like 100% yeah. of the surviving remnant are saved and they love mm-hmm. Jesus and, and they never worship idols. Again, the Davidic covenant, the descendant of David, Jesus reigning from Jerusalem. <clears throat> it happens at the return and reign of Jesus. And then the new covenant um, where it's, and I'd like to talk a little bit about this. We can talk about some of the details of the new covenant. Cause I think sometimes we just think of like one or two aspects of it. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot in it.
1: Like, and, like um, you said, it's the me part. We, we think of the me part. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. It,
0: Sorry. It, like one of the things of receiving the spirit, you know, that's not everything. Like we, yeah. sometimes we, cause we don't again, because we don't know the whole story. We think I've received the spirit. It's like, I've got everything. And it's like, no, but the Bible itself says that's just a deposit mm. that's guaranteeing the rest of your inheritance, which is still to come. When? When mm. Jesus returns and reigns yes. upon the earth and <laughs> saves Israel and yeah. rules from Jerusalem. It's like all the covenants come to their glorious fulfillment together, all in the same event when Jesus returns and reigns from Jerusalem.
1: Yeah. And this is, that's why it's our blessed hope. That's why we put, Peter says, put, place all your hope on Jesus's return. Right, so like, and I don't think he's not saying like, don't hope for health, or don't hope for wealth, or don't hope for comfort. Like he's he's just saying like the majority of your hope or your your hope anchor needs to be in the return of Jesus. Otherwise, you'll you'll get weighed down with the cares of this life, and when things do and don't go well. So, Jeff, I I guess one a question I would have for you because we're talking about the new covenant. And we very rarely in the West talk about the New Covenant and the implications for Israel and how that plays out in world history. Why would you suppose in the West we just don't ever talk about that side of the New Covenant?
0: Well, it's interesting because um, this New Covenant promise in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, it's given to Israel, it's announced to Israel. Yeah. Yet here it is the majority of the people throughout history who are experiencing the, those initial blessings, down payment blessings of the New Covenant are mostly Gentiles.
1: Yeah
0: um, It's interesting you know how that works. but we remember the promise is initially for them and so it came first to the Jew, then to the Gentile is what Paul talks about uh, in Romans and other places. And so um, Jesus was Jewish. He's resurrected all 12 apostles are Jewish and um, the promise of the spirit They're in the city of Jerusalem, celebrating the feast of Pentecost, a Jewish feast, 120 people are gathered Jewish people predominantly, and they're all received the gift of the Holy spirit. Mm -hmm. They all received the gift of the Holy spirit. And then those, and then of course Gentiles came to know the Lord too, as Jewish people began preaching the gospel to Gentiles and then Gentiles believed and um received the promise of the spirit and were entered into this new covenant promise that was initially given to Israel but was always for all the nations and then what ended up and so many there were many Jewish people who believed in that first century in the book of Acts but the gospel continued to expand Jerusalem Judea Samaria And then ultimately to the uttermost parts of the earth. And the story that the Bible tells when you read in Zechariah, you know, 12 through 14. And um, even these passages, Ezekiel 36, 37, 38 and 39. um, It talks about when Jesus returns at the end of the age and all Israel at that point will be saved. Now, there's there's Mm -hmm. Jewish believers in Jesus right now who are full of the Holy Spirit, tremendous men and spirit-filled men and women of god are passionate loyal to jesus the messiah um and and fully embracing their jewish heritage you know which yeah. is beautiful um however it's at the and and there's we need to contend for jewish people to be saved even now they're coming to the lord but mm. ultimately <clears throat> at the end of the age when jesus returns all israel will be saved and that's the point where one hundred percent of the surviving remnant of Israel um, will be receive the Holy Spirit and be born again.
1: I have through I have faith part, in Jesus. Yes, I, ha- I have part of Ezekiel thirty-seven here. I want to read it and then get your thoughts on it. You okay with that? Yeah. All right. So this is Ezekiel thirty-seven after uh, the the dry bones prophecy, and so this is the everlasting covenant here. It's, towards the middle of the chapter, I think. He says, my servant David will be their king, right? Mm -hmm. So he's not really talking about David because David's already, David's long gone. Um, So he's talking about Jesus. the Davidic covenant, yeah. Right. So my servant David will be their king and they will have only one shepherd. They will obey my regulations and be careful to keep my decrees. They will live in the land I gave my servant Jacob, the land where their ancestors lived they and their children and their grandchildren after them will live there and here's the key word Boom. forever yes forever <laughs> so that's why we that's why we link this as an end time verse because there's no other covenant made after this chapter in ezekiel except for the new covenant yeah <clears throat> so he's he's not talking about a different covenant he's talking about the new covenant yeah so after them will live forever generation after generation And my servant David will be their prince forever. And I will make a covenant of peace with them, an everlasting covenant. Mm -hmm. And I will give them their land and increase their numbers. And I will put my temple among them forever. I will make my home among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. And when my temple is among them forever, the nations will know that I am the Lord who makes Israel holy. Wow. So give me your initial thoughts on that, man.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, my initial thoughts are all of the covenants are referenced in that one little passage. So like intense. All, The Abrahamic covenant is mentioned in there when he says, um, you know, the I will. Verse 25, they will live in the land I gave my servant Jacob, the land where their ancestors live. That's the Abrahamic covenant. I will increase their numbers that's the the abrahamic covenant Covenant. you know what i mean i'll i'll give you the stars of the sky that is as many descendants as the sand on the seashore and then the davidic covenant verse 24 my servant david will be their king and then uh later on in verse 25 my servant david will be their prince forever that's the davidic covenant so we see the, the um all of the covenants coming to their fulfillment their complete fulfillment yeah. at the same time and i guess that's the first thing that jumps for me and the the second thought from this is that we can't say that there's things that are mentioned in here that have not yet happened. Yeah. Um when he says in verse 28 my temple will be among them forever it's not there.
1: Right like today it's
0: not there anymore. So we can't say that he fulfilled this already because Forever means it's never going away. And the fact is it's not there anymore, but there's a time coming um, when Jesus will return and the new Jerusalem uh, uh, will descend upon the earth and his, his, his temple will be there forever and ever and ever. And then, of course, we see, I would say this is Abrahamic covenant as well, verse 28. And the nations will know. When mm. I fulfill, basically, it's like, when I fulfill all my covenant promises to you, Israel, then through you, all all, all nations will be blessed and all the nations yeah. will know that I am the Lord. And um, I just see all the covenants in this scripture.
1: So intense. So it's so amazing. It's so weird, actually, to think about after reading this, to think of the new covenant separated from what we're reading here in Ezekiel. Like, I don't even know how in my mind I just... I mean, just ignorance, I guess, just not knowing like, oh, there's, you know, <laughs> there's more to the new covenant than just, um, than just Jesus is in your heart. Um, but it actually, it, it gives you security in your worldview in the future, right? Because it's telling you right here what is going to happen in the future. And you can see by verse 28, when it says the nations will know, it, it's, it's, you can think of that as the nations will respond, that's when the nations are going to respond. The hostility of Psalm 2 is going to end when Jesus is in his place on the Davidic throne and Israel becomes the older brother, or you could say the, the discipler of the nations. Uh, even the reference to Jacob, we're talking about the 12 tribes, right? And so what is it? Matthew 19, where Jesus says, um, uh, in the new world, uh, I will, you will rule on me from, from 12 thrones or you will rule with me from 12 thrones, yeah. right? And talking about the new the new Jerusalem, but talking to the apostles or the, yeah. the disciples. Yeah. Um, so super powerful. So
0: and, and I just want to, this story comes to my mind. So I was in Jerusalem, I don't know, four or five years ago. I don't remember how long it was ago. And um, I was there and I was actually having dinner with a Jewish rabbi. And, you know, this particular Jewish rabbi, was um i mean he he really liked christians he loved followers he was not a follower of jesus but he he liked to uh he he really liked followers of jesus and he liked to partner with them um you know on some common causes that they could work together on which i appreciated. he was a super nice guy really really smart and we're having this conversation and he and he and his his worldview now i don't know probably all jewish rabbis don't Wouldn't agree with this, but this is where he was coming from. And he, he basically thought, he says, yeah, he says, um, you Christians and, and we Jews, we all worship the same God and we're trying to obey the same scriptures. Mm. He says, so we're, we're both, we're all in the kingdom of God together. And I know like he said that, and it's, there was like, in my mind, I'd never heard it put that way before. I'm like, it Mm -hmm. is true. We are, we are worshiping the same God. And we are trying to obey the same scriptures, but I'm like, but we're not all in the kingdom of God just together because of those two things. And I remember I was, and I, and I thought about what he said and um, I did my best to give him an answer right then. But I just knew like in my spirit, I'm like, that doesn't feel right. But in my mind, I couldn't, I couldn't think of it. Couldn't think it through
1: that quick. Yeah. Yeah. And so
0: I did, I I think I passed the test. I, I, I did say something, (laughs) I like my blunt way. I usually I just say it blunt if I don't know. Um, (laughs) I was like, man, yeah. I said, you know what? I said, I don't think so. I think I think there's only one gate. There's only one door into the kingdom of God. That's right. And that's through Jesus, the Messiah. And there's no other way to get in. And then um, anyway, we had a great conversation, friendly conversation later on as I meditated on that, though. This is like what was coming to me that I felt like was from the Lord. It's like, yeah, we all do worship the same God Yahweh we are trying to obey the same scriptures here's the problem though the problem is even on our very best day our righteousness is like filthy rags Mm. we all sin and fall short of the we don't obey that's the problem is we we sin in our hearts we harbor envy and pride and hatred and lust and all selfish ambition, all these things in our hearts. And then we act out, we speak it out in different ways and the Lord sees it. And we all fall short. So we're all disqualified from living in a kingdom where there is no sin and there's only Mm. righteousness. None of us are qualified to live in that kingdom. And it's only through faith in Jesus, the Messiah who atoned for our sins with his blood and makes us righteous through the new covenant by giving us his spirit to live in us. That's Mm. the only way. It's and so that's why Peter was preaching to Jews, in Acts chapter four when he says, "There's no other name Mm. under heaven that's given to men by which we must." He's preaching to Jewish Pharisees. Right, we must be saved, and uh, it's it's only through Jesus. And he makes it really really clear. And so um, this new covenant, it's it doesn't replace the old covenants, but it is absolutely necessary. There's no way to get into the kingdom of God and experience the cumulative blessing of all the covenants being fulfilled, except through faith in Jesus, the Messiah, and receiving the gift of the Holy spirit.
1: Mm. Amen. Which is so ridiculously scandalous When you think about (laughs) the deal that we get, man, it's such a like a, (laughs) you know, and so like I sit here as a Gentile and I think it through and I'm like, man, like, why am I even considered, you know, like, but but only it's because he loves us, you know, and he loves all humanity. Um, And And that's
0: Romans, right? Isn't that the the story of Romans that Paul lays out so clear? He's like, yeah, it's, uh, we're all sinners, that were in my grace. You know what I mean? And yeah. it, he tells that to the Gentiles, we know that. And then he tells that to the Jews. He's like, you know, you who think you're qualified because you have the law. He's like, you disobey the laws you got. Yeah. Like, you know more than anybody and you still fall short. more. Th- and and then he's like, that brings us all on the same playing field. We're all poor in spirit. Right. And we're, we need God. We're sinners mm. who are saved by grace. And it's a gift. Amen. Of- yeah. Mm. Um so I just real quickly I want to just run through this like okay and and I want you I'll just run through this I just want to try and do it quick, but I just want to list some of the you know a covenant is a a legally binding agreement between two or more parties and each side has terms of the agreement that they agree to and so um you know we, we saw that with the the uh, the Abrahamic Etc. cetera, those other covenants. And um, so in the new covenant, um, it's the same way. And so, you know, I like to think, what does, what is God on the line for that, he ha- that he's promising I will do for you? And what is he asking and requiring of me that he says, mm. you do this, I'll do this. And that's the agreement. Yeah. And so I'm curious, I'll, I'll be, before I, I answer that, what would you say in answer? Like, what are the things that God promises to do? as part of the new covenant? And what mm-hmm. are the things that he requires of us?
1: And that's a really a hard question to answer because it depends on what, what vein that you're in, um, in the body of Christ. So I would say first, our, ours is obedience through abiding. And that's through John 14 through 17, what we, and when I say what we have to do, um, we can fail at that a hundred million times and that's, that's grace, right? But I think it's John that says, yeah, it's John that says, if we don't abide, if we don't abide in him, which if you want to simplify um, abiding, you could just say talking to God, right? So I think of it like my inner man, I'm talking to God, but that the result of it has to be that I I obey him. Um, And so nothing changes if I don't obey Uh, So Christ in me makes capable, makes me capable of obeying him in my weakness. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, And so with, so John 14 through 17, Jesus really hits that. Like you have to abide in me. And John, the, the apostle says like, and if you don't, like you will experience shame at the judgment seat of Christ. Um, which is like so intense, right? When you, when you hear yeah. that, because you're like, wait, I thought the judgment seat of Christ was going to be awesome. And Jesus was going to be telling me how awesome I am. And I was going to be getting rewards. And, and you are, and that's true. But I think that there's also a sobering moment um, where he wipes every tear from our eye. And we, there is going to be recognition of things that we've missed out on in this life from either disobeying or not taking serious um, uh, what he has called us to. So I don't know. I don't know if that answers yeah. your question, but that's the first thing that came into my mind.
0: Yeah, no, I I threw it out there on you. I didn't give you no prep time for that question. So <laughs> that's, sorry that's about all right. that.
1: That's all right. But that was good. I know that you. Pro- you probably have you probably have two bullet points with like the exact answer sitting there. <laughs> I
0: I yeah. I, pro- I probably in my head, <laughs> uh, I just think of uh, you know what's it's. I think the way we respond to covenants has already been modeled for us through God's the Abrahamic covenant. Yeah, and you know. God tells Abraham, um, one thing he's like, uh, leave your father's house, go to the place I will show you. And I will do boom, 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 boom. He lists all these blessings, right? So Abraham had to do two things. He took God at his word and he believed that God would actually, that if he did his thing, God would actually come through and really do his. Yeah. And then Abraham, because he believed he did the thing God said. And he left his home and he went to the place. And then later on, God would tell him other things and he he obeyed. Yeah. And he always did it in faith and knowing that if I do my part, God is going to keep his part of our agreement. That's really good. And yeah, and he died yeah. without seeing it all fulfilled, but believing it's going to be fulfilled. And I think yeah. it's that's the same heart response that Christ requires of us. He's like i died on the cross to pay for your sins so i'm atoning for your sins i you're guilty but if you will follow me i will i will wipe your sins away and you'll be not guilty on the judgment day mm. it's like oh that's mm. a good deal and then he says totally not only deal. that but i will give you the gift of the holy spirit to help mm. you obey my commands also when you receive the gift of the holy spirit he's going to bear witness that i'm your father and there's going to mm. be this interaction you know, jeremiah said it in the passage we read he says they will all know me from mm. the least to the greatest which was a totally new thing mm. because uh under the previous covenants god didn't you know all of israel didn't hear god speaking to them right they god spoke to moses uh, and moses told the people what god said or right. whatever prophet isaiah whoever Jesus, it was yeah that god would the spirit would come upon an individual. And then that person would speak the message of God, but not everybody could hear God's voice and only the priest could minister to the Lord and only Mm. the priest could do certain things in ministry. But in the new covenant, um, we all have the Holy spirit. We all get to hear his voice. We all get to know him. You know, I think I always get jealous of Moses. Like he knew him face to face, like a like a man speaks with this friend. That's the way the God talked to Moses. And it's like, man, I can hear his voice clearly yeah. um, like that because of the Holy spirit, all of us can. And then, uh, th- so these are all these promises in the new covenant. Not only that we're all priests.
1: Yeah. Wow. Cause we
0: all have Holy spirit and he makes us competent as ministers of a new covenant. That's what Paul yeah. said in second Corinthians chapter three. And so we're all priests. We all get to minister. We all know God. And then, the climax of it all, he says, and this is the other part of the, of the new covenant. Not only am I going to make you righteous, you're going to know me intimately as father and friend, all this kind of stuff. You'll minister for, you know, with me. But he says, um, uh, Romans chapter eight, I'll just put it up here. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That's because of the new covenant, right? Mm. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead. He will give life to your mortal bodies. Listen to this by the same spirit living mm. within you. It's like that. It's not just like, boom, I got it all. It's like, no, I, I do. When I have him, I have it all in promise. And, right. uh, and, but I haven't received all the inheritance yet. Um, it's it, right. It's at the, the final resurrection. So when I think of bringing it back to my question about what are the terms of the agreement? These are all the promises God makes to us. He says, here's, here's what, here's my, what I require of you. You have to, you need to believe me. You need to believe me that I'm going to do what I say. And then you need to repent and you need to be baptized, receive the gift of the (laughs) spirit. Follow me. That's so good. And that's what we do. And then it's like, well, we do that just like, you know, Abraham did it in his day. But you know what happens? We get persecuted and we suffer and we go through hardships and we go through trials and it's like, no, this is so hard. And it's like, and then the devil lies to us. Is God really going to keep his promise? Right. You know, the ones who are being martyred, it's like, are you really going to actually live forever and receive a new body and be raised from the dead? Is he really going to come and get rid of all injustice and make the wrong things right again? And we have to say like Abraham, yes, he is Mm. faithful. I trust his character. If he kept his promise to Abraham, he's going to keep his promise to us this is his good. nature. He's dependable. He's reliable. And then we continue and we persevere in faith and obedience. And then he rewards us on the last day. That's right. Um, be, for that lifestyle. So I think it's the same lifestyle of faith and obedience. That's that good. All the righteous men lived.
1: Yeah. No, it's, it's so important that, that what we see as believers is that the fulfillment of the promises, the ultimate fulfillment comes at the resurrection of the dead and the return of Jesus. And if we don't understand that, we'll live in frustration and we'll live in disappointment thinking that our reward should come now. And, and, but the reality is is that we're called to live by faith that on that day we'll be raised from the dead and Jesus will return and reward us. And so when we say faith, we're saying, I like, uh, so let's just say generosity, like the Holy spirit convicts us to be generous, a generous people to be giving of our possessions, our time and our money. And, and we get blessed for it in this life, I believe, by the Lord. You know, like I, let's say I give, you know, whatever x amount of dollars, and then like yeah. I I see a, an amount come in that it's like I know that this blessing came because I gave. Now it doesn't always work that way, but it's an encouragement. It isn't like that. Isn't the end that that isn't like, hey, here's the ultimate reward for you giving, right? You get yeah. You just got five hundred dollars, a blessing of five hundred dollars. If I think that that's the ultimate reward, I'll actually miss it. That's the token that keeps me pressing into generosity. So I give and then he'll bless me. And maybe not every time. I'm not trying to make it a a one for one thing because it's not. But even with our possessions, you know, he's like, be generous with your possessions. Be generous with your money. I'll bless you intermittently throughout your life to keep you going because ultimately you're going to be fully rewarded on the day that I raise you from the dead. And I'm trying to sustain you through that. So don't see these little rewards that I give you in your life as the ultimate reward. The ultimate reward is that I'm going to raise your body from the grave and give you riches that you, I, your eye could not perceive and your mind could not think through right now uh, in the flesh. Yeah. And so that's what faith is, is that we're believing, hey, I'm going to give away money. It hurts my wallet a little bit. It actually takes away from my ability to do things that I want in this life. It costs me something. But in faith, I'm believing there is actually a reward in heaven. Yeah. And, and that's what Jesus promised. He says, so store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth yes. and rust do not destroy, right? And so live in that way, um, which isn't always easy, but that's what faith is, right? So we're saying yeah. by faith, it actually means we're believing that on that day, something is going to happen. So I'm willing to live with less now so that by faith, he will fulfill his promises when he raises me from the dead. Yes.
0: I like this little. So I think the okay, I use this when I'm preaching, and I'm going into altar call time. This is one of my favorite stories. Okay, I love to use this illustration to illustrate what the kingdom of God is, and how we need to respond in light of what we've just heard about the gospel. So it's like, um, the when a king is away, a good, righteous king is away from his, you know, his kingdom, his land that he's ruling over. And then people rebel against him, right? And they're doing horrible things to him, uh, you know, and to annihilate his rule and to cause other people to disobey his rule and to do horrible things to each other. And then he he says he comes back. What's he going to do to the rebellion that's in his kingdom? What does every good king mm. do to rebellion that's in his kingdom? He, he wipes out the rebellion, crushes yes. the rebellion, annihilates it. So there's not one rebel left to spread the bad seed to anybody yeah. else. It's like he crushes the rebellion, but that's exactly what Jesus is going to do when he returns to the earth. That's what he's going to do to the wicked It's like yeah. sin is rebellion against Jesus leadership and he's going to crush the rebellion and wipe out evil and cause righteousness to flourish in the earth. But here's the good thing about God. He's a merciful King. So before he yeah. returns with his army, he sends ambassadors mm. to the rebels and he says hey the king is coming yeah. back and when he does he's going to crush the rebellion but he loves you and if you'll repent and leave the rebellion cross the line and come back good. and submit to the king and be loyal to the come king on. he will pardon you for all mm. of your treason and not count it against you and give you what you deserve which is death yeah. and not only that he's going to adopt you it's ridiculous He's going to adopt you into the royal family and you're going to rule with him forever in his kingdom. It's like, what in the world? That's what when we go preach the gospel, we're in the ambassadors announcing his return and announcing the good news that he's made atonement for our sin. But here's what he requires. Now you have choice to make. You're out there in the rebellion. You can't just say, oh, yeah, I like Jesus secretly, you know. I'll even say I like Jesus, but persist in the rebellion. If you're in the rebellion, when he returns, you're getting crushed. Yeah. That's the way it is. You have to make a clear response and a clear stand, break with the rebellion and submit to Jesus as your king. And that's when you can count on the blessings coming through for you. Yeah. But you have Amen. to respond
1: that way. Just got a comment that came in. Yeah. Says God bless you guys and your families. Just had my first round of COVID, and all I did was listen to the Word and breathe deep and buckled up. It's all good news, like you said. So I think Yikes. I know who that is. Um, he's yeah. he's commented on a on a on a few of our videos, but uh, yeah, we'll be praying for you, brother. Just um, pull yeah. through.
0: Yeah. Lord, heal you quickly. Good job yeah. meditating on the Word and just making yeah. good use of your time. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Um, i will just say this uh, kind of goes with what I just said. Uh, I think the classic story of Robin Hood has so many parallels to the gospel.
1: I, I thought of, of that kingdom. when you were saying. When you were saying, I, I literally thought of the end of the story of Robin Hood when the king comes back. <laughs> yeah. When you were saying it,
0: because the the good King Richard, he goes yeah. away from England, and he appoints John in his place to rule in in his place, right? And mm. then what does John do? Rebels against Richard, and then he is corrupt and he gets and he bribes all these people to be loyal to him and break their loyalty to richard yeah. and then the remnant that's still loyal to the true king what does he do prince john persecutes them and mm-hmm. tries to wipe them out right so what is happens when richard returns is he crushes the rebellion he gets rid of all the rebels and he finds the remnant that was persecuted and he for their loyalty they prove their loyalty what he does is he honors them and he exalts them and they yeah. rule with him and to ha- live happily ever after, so to speak. I just think there's such a parallel to the gospel in that fairy tale.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's powerful. It's a it's a we get an amazing deal. And you know, I never I never like to talk about it or like the new covenant or obeying Jesus in a way where it's like if I fail or I I mess up, like that's, that's the end. And so, and so I just want to reiterate what Jeff is not saying is like messing up means you're in the rebellion. Now messing up and making excuses for it and making excuses for your mess up. That is the rebellion. That is part of the rebellion. Uh, Messing up and saying that was a mess up. That's, that's how you know you're not in the rebellion when you're willing to admit it was a mess up and I don't want to do it again. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to say is like, there's that push sometimes to be like, I gotta be perfect. I gotta be awesome. I gotta always be on top of it. I mean, sometimes like at the end of the day, I'm like disappointed at the way I talk to my kids. I'm disappointed Mm -hmm. the way I've talked to my wife. I'm disappointed in the way I've interacted with people through email. And I'm just like, Lord, that was a mess up. Like, that's not what your kingdom is like. That's not what I want to be like. So help me. Right, and so let's just pray right now that the Lord will help us and sustain us through those little mess-ups that we get right back on, like David does, um, yeah. and just go straight back, run straight back into the heart of God, and choose to obey Him, choose to love Him with all of our mind, heart, and soul. Um, so, Father, we yeah. just ask right yeah. now, strength, strengthen us, strengthen our inner man, help us, Jesus, when we fail not to be uh, to to live in the in the gutter of condemnation. Um, But Lord, we we ask, convict our hearts, help us, Jesus, to love, to obey you. And and that when we do fall short, that we know that the only way back to freedom is you and avoiding you is an absolute disaster. So we we commit right now to run back into your heart. And so I just ask you, Jesus, uh, deliver us from the temptation of running from you in shame, And help us to run back into your heart in full obedience, fully in love with you. Amen. Mm.
0: I love that. I agree 100%. And that's really coming back to the conversation I I mentioned earlier I had with the Jewish rabbi when I was in Jerusalem. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we're all trying, right? But we all fall short. Even on our best day ever, (laughs) there's going to be something in there. We weren't perfect. You know what I mean? But what do we do? Because we know the promises of the new covenant that is blood atones for a sin. I'm not going to rely on, I'm just going to try harder and be perfect. And I'll rely on my works, my performance that will earn me favor with God. No, we we're poor in spirit. We know like my performance is not going to get it for me. So what I'm going to do is when I sin, I'm going to come to Jesus. I'm going to bow before him and I'm going to confess it. Lord, you know, I did wrong. I know I did wrong. I hate that. I did it. you love me yeah and i just and i receive Mm. forgiveness for my sins because of what jesus did on the cross and i thank you right now Mm. you make me clean and that i stand before you as righteous as jesus himself because his blood washes my sins away and i have favor with god now god help me holy spirit help me to overcome that Mm. and not do that next time and it's like that heart of worship that's a heart that's submitted to God. Yeah. And again, but our our confidence, it isn't upon our own works. It's it's not upon anything except the blood of Jesus atones for my sin and it gives us that confidence before God, which enables us to overcome in our sanctification as well.
1: Yeah, that's so good. I think of like a, a practical practical working out of this, you know, like so let's go back and read that verse. Uh what was it in Jeremiah? The, your, your Jeremiah first,
0: 31. Want me to yeah, put
1: it up? Yeah, your first verse. Uh, yeah, Jeremiah it 31. Is. It says, I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people, right? And so this is the commitment of the new covenant, right? Yes. And so I, I know a lot of times like when, I'm, when, when things aren't going well, and I'm living in unforgiveness and bitterness, I'm not leaning into the instructions that he's put on my heart. That I would not have without him, and That's so cool. I've learned that um, that saying yes in the smallest areas of my life actually makes my heart more t- tender and attuned to the realities of Jeremiah, Jeremiah thirty one. So that I know that he's living in me, right? But if I don't, if I choose to not obey it, or I choose to kind of ignore it, it kind of like it gets dull. Like that voice gets dull in my heart, and and it's like almost obeying him. Like it almost seems like not beneficial, but like, almost like, ah, this is a bummer to obey him. Right. But I know the reality is, is that when I, when I choose to obey him in the small areas of my life, let's say like how I talk, my speech, how I talk about people, what I listen to music. Um, and he, if he, if he puts his finger on the smallest area of my life and I say yes, my heart becomes more tender to hear him even more clearly the next time so yeah. that he can really make things clear in my life when something is a major red flag or a major green flag um and and i and so i guess the the point of what i'm trying to say is, is i want to have a tender heart towards god that is always leaning into the realities of jeremiah 31 meaning uh what what, what does it say here the instructions deep within them and i yeah. will write them on their hearts Yeah, that's the reality we live in in the new covenant. And I don't ever want to turn that off. And I know that I can't, I know I could turn it off and live with a dull heart and live, live spiritually bored. Uh, I think uh, Paul says that in Galatians, or maybe it's Peter. I don't know. Uh, in, in first or second Peter, I can't remember exactly where it is, but so, so the first thing the Lord ever convicted me of was music. I, I listened to like really intense hardcore mine was cussing
0: mine was was, yeah music came later a few months later but first was cussing for me yeah go
1: ahead cussing was probably the first one or or the second one right after but they were kind of in tandem because all my music cussed Ah, (laughs) you know (laughs)
0: um
1: so but uh, you know and i just thought man i don't want to give up my music that means more to me than anything but the music had so many dark sayings and dark thoughts and dark ideas about suicide killing murder hatred, anger, all these things, but it's coming through the, the vessel of music. So it, di- it seemed innocent, like, yeah, it's just music. So it's like, yeah, rah, 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 you know, whatever. No big deal. But the reality was is that it was doing something to my inner man that I could not perceive. Mm. So when I said yes to the Holy Spirit and I, and I, and I pushed it away and I, I relinquished it to him, my heart got really tender and I could feel his love like wash over me. And I'm not saying I felt it every day, but I definitely felt it. And um, it just made such a big difference to, to then like, it opened up doors of other areas that he wanted to touch in my life that I don't think I could have perceived unless I said yes in that small area first. Um, and then even, even with the cussing, you begin to see like, oh, that's actually like damaging to my inner man. It isn't just like I am a pious, morally awesome human being who doesn't cuss. And that just makes me awesome because I don't cuss. It's actually yeah. what it does to your inner man and what it aligns you with in your inner man. And so by, by just obeying in the small areas, and maybe if you're watching this video and you got a different small area, and you're thinking, oh, it's, you know, it's not a big deal that I do this, this, or that. It's like, no, if the Holy Spirit's putting his finger on that one little thing, like it's talking about in Jeremiah 31, like let him, let him do it. And then live in the benefit of obeying him. There's always a benefit that comes with it. Always. It might be blade, but there's always a benefit that comes with it. And then our heart gets tender then our heart gets humble, then our heart gravitates towards meekness instead of self-defense, and we become people of the kingdom. And so when he says, I'm building my kingdom, and I'm inviting people in it, he's like, these are the types of people, people who are not going to be defense, uh, full of defense, defiance, rebellion, things like that. People who I've, I've wore them down through my love and got them into a place of meekness. I know that was really long, but there's so many benefits to obeying Jesus in the smallest areas. Some people think of big areas like, you know what? I'm not going to murder people anymore, or I'm not going to, yeah. you know, I'm not going to punch people anymore, or you know, whatever. It's like, yeah, that's important, but try not to think of your biggest thing right now. Think of the smallest thing that he's touching and just say yes to it. And I promise you it will change your life.
0: That's so good. So- and you know, it's, it's important what you're talking about because you're what you're, you're describing what it's like, to live as a in a new covenant relationship with God in this age, before we receive the resurrected bodies and before he returns and makes all the wrong things right. This yeah. is what it looks like to walk in the spirit and to walk in that new relationship with the Holy Spirit um in this age and our, our sanctification and all that stuff. And it's important. It's super yeah. important.
1: I, I I get super challenged when like I think about people that irritate me or say things about me that I don't like, or say things to me that I don't like. And, you know, and I just think like, man, I just don't want them, you know, my, in my flesh, I'm like, I don't want them in my life. You know, right? I, don't, I don't want yeah. them bothering me, you know, and, and the Lord Jesus, he's like, you know what I do for my enemies? I die for them. <laughs> I'm like, man, it's so good. And it's so powerful yeah. though. It's like, and he's like that, those are the types of people that I'm going to put in positions in my kingdom, people who yeah. will die for their enemies. And I, in my flesh, I can't like, I, there is yeah. no amount of willpower. That's like, yeah, I'm going to think of the person I like the least and like be selfless towards them without the Holy spirit. It requires the Holy spirit to do that. You you have no chance. There is no hope to love that person intentionally without yeah. the Holy spirit. So,
0: amen. It's because there are what you're talking about. There are, massive benefits to to this new covenant relationship with god now like in this age and you're describing some of those i mean that intimacy that fellowship with god that and even things like deliverance from sin um name the addiction you know i mean setting us free from demonic oppression that's a real thing we can experience in this age that is part of the new covenant blessings. When the spirit comes in, Um, you know, we can be, we can experience healing. Um, We get tokens of, we get down payments of the rest of the inheritance. We get down payments of it now, you know, at, at, at times. And it's, it's awesome. Um, uh, And so, and we need to believe God for those things. We, we, we walk in the benefit of those things. It's real, but, and where I think it's important though, is this what happens is when we zoom in on the aspects of the new covenant we're we're enjoying now? Yeah. We have to zoom back out and put it in the context of the story that the scripture Amen. tells because no matter what we're experiencing now, it's just a token. Yeah. It's <laughs> of far more which is to come, which is so Amen. important. So I was talking like just a couple days ago, I was in McDonald's, and this guy that I'd shared the gospel with before was in there and This time he sees me and he starts talking to me and he goes, Hey, basically he has these medical issues and the doctors tell him he, there's nothing they could do. He goes, I don't know how much longer I have. I I probably, I could Mm -hmm. die really soon. And then, and and then he tells me, and I'm kind of like upset at God and I don't even know if he's born again, but he's like, and I'm kind of upset at God because he's, you know, I hear about him. He like, he heals these other people, but he hasn't healed me. And I just told him, as I I zoomed back out and said, dude, you're focused on you. I'm like, let me tell you what God is offering you. Let me tell you what the new covenant promises are. It's like, um, you, um, you live for Jesus now, and he, you don't go to hell. All your sins are forgiven. And then when Jesus returns, you're going to be healed. You're going to get a yeah. new body. You'll never experience pain ever again. And you yep. will live on this earth. Only there'll be none of the bad stuff. It only be good, but like yep. forever and ever. And what he, and, and say, so you're so focused on God, how come you're not giving me my, my little advance payment of, of yeah. my healing. And I'm like, and, and you're, and you're angry at him for that, but he's not being mean to you and he's not breaking his promise to you. Yeah. Like the healing that he paid for, you're going to get it. Now, I think it's good. You should ask for it. The Bible tells us go to the elders if you're sick. You know, we need to contend for the healing now. But you know what? Not every not everybody gets healed now. And I and I told them this. I said, here's the deal like your friends who you're talking about got healed. They're still going to die of something someday. I was like, that's there, not the final thing. And you're so focused in on the, I didn't get my one blessing I really want right now. Therefore, God doesn't like me. And I'm mad at him. I'm like, you're you're, you're totally, you're so focused on your little tree. You're missing the whole forest. I'm like, look right. at the new covenant. And um, we do get these things. Some of them we get now. We get to experience now. We rejoice in that. But then I just told him, I said, why don't you just like, thank God for what he's given you. Be like Abraham and just be like, hey, if I die believing he's going to fulfill his promises and I'm getting yeah. the best deal in the whole wide world. Yes. So I do think we get these blessings now. We need to go after him, contend for him, give thanks for them. But we always need to keep it in perspective of the big story that the scripture tells because the Bible promises that in this age, we will experience some of the blessings, but we're also going to have tribulations and trials and sufferings and suffer loss and you know some of it we're not going to get a lot of it thank god the mo we get small of it bits now but most of the reward we get in the age to come
1: yeah that's really good it, it's really it is really important because it can be it, like what you're saying is like if and and you do you press in for people to to get healed you lay your hands on them you pray for them yeah. for, so that they would recover, um, so I'm not I wouldn't I'm not pulling back from that idea at all. But also, yeah. the the reward of that if he was to be healed, is so small in comparison to the ultimate rewards and promises. Right. So to be bitter over I didn't get healed, so that didn't buy me an extra twenty years on my life, you know, and to be bitter about it, that's that misses the whole point, right? Yeah. For that for that person. Yes. And so it's like, ultimately, like if you are healed, that is only pointing to the fact that one day your whole body is going to be resurrected. That's the testimony of the gospel. And so you, you are going to be resurrected. You got healed. And now it opens up the message so that you can hear it. Right. That's, that's kind of like the evangelistic tool is like, Hey, your ankle got healed. That's because Jesus is actually going to heal your entire body when he raises it from the dead, you know? And so when we, when we, when we, when we, uh, get bitter over, Oh, like I didn't, I didn't get healed of this or that or whatever. and, it's like I didn't get 20 extra years on my life or, or 10 extra years on my life. Like, yes, I want to live all the days of my life. I want to live them in health. I want to love my kids. I want to love my grandkids. That's what I'm believing for. That's what I'm hoping for. But I don't want to become bitter if it gets cut short yeah. for any reason, because I'm, I'm invested in the ultimate promise through faith that my body will be raised um, from the dead and
0: Good. Jesus is going to do it. So, Amen. Well said. Yeah. And I just want to clarify, I mean, I've actually received healing. Like miraculous healing before yeah. from the Lord. I've uh I've I've seen a bunch of people receive healing yes. from the Lord. Like evidence, you could see it. I have prayed for people that they've got healed before. So I love that. I believe that. We are to the Bible tells us to go after that. But again, it's just what do we do? But if that's our whole focus and we think the whole new covenant is about what I get now in this right. age from God, we're missing the biggest part of it. It's, yep. it's an eternal covenant and it's tied to the Abrahamic covenant, the Davidic covenant, we'll say it, covenant. covenant. I yep. mean, it's the big picture of what God's doing. And when you see it in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, it's tied into all those covenants. They come to their complete fulfillment at the same time. Um, and it's when Jesus returns and begins to reign on the earth and that's the blessed hope. That's what we're all Amen. longing for. That's the mirror, not the heart cry. So I thought it'd be cool. And if there's anything else you want to say on that, feel free to say it, but nope, uh, was, was there anything else that was on your mind? I, I thought it'd be cool just real quick at the end to just share about the, when you first entered into this new covenant relationship with God, and receive the gift of the Holy spirit. I it just, just like in two or three minutes, just kind of share your story about how that happened for you when you first.
1: Started. Okay. Yeah. I think it was 1997, 1998. Okay. Uh, my brother, uh, my brother was led to the Lord um, and he went to a winter camp and then he came home and he was, he was like, um, you know, we just kind of saw, like, you know, he, his life was changing and, and, Uh, And I felt the Holy Spirit actually, before I gave my life to him, I felt the Holy Spirit convicting me of music. I knew it was coming. It was like, I actually told my brother, I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to like give my life to Jesus because I know that he's going to take my music. I know it. (laughs) So I felt the Holy Spirit convicting me even before that. Now, whether it was internal, external, whatever, it weighed on my conscience. Um, And so one day he's just like, dude, just obey Jesus. Like if he's saying the music, then then." obey him and i was like okay and right there and then he's just like i'm gonna lead you he led me through the lord's prayer i didn't know what any of it meant but i was like okay i guess i'm giving my life to jesus you know and so i did it was real casual it was not like a super powerful moment or anything like that but then i just set my heart to obey him and that's when that's when that's when it really kicks in is when you set your heart to obey if you don't obey you don't obey nothing changes ever so good so if you're in a rut in your walk with the Lord, ask where you've stopped obeying. And it could be something small. I'm not saying some, and I'm not even saying something moral. I'm saying, has he asked you to do something and you're not doing it? Yeah. Um, and so when I started obeying, especially through music, cause that was a huge sacrifice for me. All my identity was wrapped up in that. Um, Man, there was just something internal that happened that shifted in my heart and the way I perceived myself, the way I perceived people, the way I perceived the world. And I just thought to myself, I was like, man, if this is what it means to obey Jesus and these are the rewards that come into my heart, then I'm going to say yes to him, whatever he says. Mm-hmm. When he says do this, I do it. When he says don't do this, I don't do it. If he says stop doing this, I stop. And, and I've not always done it perfect, but I know my heart is anchored in the reality that when I obey Him, things change, um, um, and that doesn't even mean that I'm perfect or that I do it perfectly. It's a heart set to obey Him, having a heart set to obey Him,
0: yes, and that's that's
1: that's what I want to have. So, what's your testimony, okay. man?
0: Yeah. So for me, I grew up knowing about Jesus. My, my I had I had parents who taught me like from the time my dad graduated from a seminary, um, so I knew about Jesus like my whole life. I can't remember a time when I didn't, but. I wasn't living for Jesus at all. I was Mm. just doing what I wanted to do. I was totally living in sin and, um, and I was broken. I just, I was, uh, depressed. I just had different things. And I remember I had a, in, when I was 17 years old, I had a baseball coach at my public school. Um, and I loved him. I mean, he was a super good coach and baseball was my big thing back then. That's what I lived for. I wanted to be a professional athlete. And so, um, I love my coach because he was super successful. He was a bold follower of Jesus. And he would teach us the word of God in study hall at practice. He would just teach us the word of God. Mm. And through his teaching, it began to click in my mind. I thought, oh, like, I actually probably have to obey Jesus if I'm going to have eternal life and go to heaven. I always thought that was like recommended not necessarily required i don't know i just got a mixed up idea like hey if you obey (laughs) jesus great but the big thing just believe just say you believe that he died on the cross and he rose again and that's it that'll get you in right but i through him teaching us the word of god i was like oh that's not really how it is like i actually have to live for jesus and so i i was at a youth service and i prayed i was like jesus i like i believe that you're god i do believe that and I believe you died on the cross to forgive my sins. I believe you rose again to give me eternal life. And therefore, and this is the big thing. I told him, I said, from this moment forward, I'm going to start living for you. That Mm -hmm. was it. I submitted right then. And I set my heart, what you said, I set my heart to obey Jesus at that moment. I didn't even fully understand all that it would entail. Um, I mean, my idea of like, I'm going to go to church, even if my parents don't make me and I'm going to tell other people about Jesus and I'm not going to parties anymore. Like that was my, in my mind at that time, those were the things I was thinking about, but I'm like, I'm going all the way. I'll never go to a party again. And you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and I remember these people prayed for me right after that. And I Mm -hmm. could feel the Holy spirit come into me. For me, it's not this way for everybody all the time, but for me, it was a dramatic moment. Yeah, I felt his presence come in. I never felt his presence in my entire life before that, even though I'd been in church. And when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I actually began to speak out in other tongues um, is what happened to me. And it was such a sign. It was a miraculous sign because I remember thinking, like, I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. Right. But For me, it was a miraculous sign. Then I'm like, man, what I'm feeling is real. Like there's something to this. Like God is with yeah. me. And I felt his love. I felt his power, his energy just surging in me. And I just would worship him. And uh, I, I, lo- I mean, it was so good. I was so in love. I instantly, he melted my heart in a moment when he came in. And I had two new desires when I left after that encounter. I was like, I told him, I'm like, God, I just want to feel close to you like this all the time. Cause I never felt close to you yeah. before. And then the second thing yeah. is like, I, I want to please you not just so I don't get in trouble, but because I actually care about you and I want to make you a proud Papa. I mean, that was how it was. And I was so pumped. I went to bed that night, literally thinking I'm like, I can't wait for tomorrow when I get up, it's going to be my first official full day of living for Jesus. And I'm like, it's on, I'm doing this thing. And I was so yeah, pumped about it. So good. And I hear his voice. Like that was 29 years ago, last Thursday. For me that wow. was my spiritual birthday Dude. and Dude. it's um i literally i hear his voice every single day for 29 years mm. i mm. i feel this presence uh, probably m- almost every single day you know yeah. for uh, probably there's some days where i don't <clears throat> that more right. has to do usually with me just walking in the flesh instead of <laughs> feeding my spirit right but um well but it's a real I deal
1: gonna, i was gonna ask you if you don't mind, I have a question then. Yeah. So how many times would you say in the 29 years, have you had to like get back on? Like I gotta, you oh, realize gosh. like, Oh man, I gotta, I gotta sign back up. Like I, have I, I, somewhere I veered off course. Not like you, not like total rebellion, not like I started sinning or whatever, but just somewhere along the way you just kind of lost track and you were like, I gotta get back on fully. Like I was at the beginning. Yeah.
0: That's, Uh, I mean, innumerable. That's the story of my life, to be honest with you. In the last, that's the story of my 29 years. And I don't think loving God with all your heart. I don't, I used to think it was just like, I'm going all in. And like my growth would just be this straight line (laughs) of just glory to glory, faith to faith. But it doesn't look like that. It's like, I'm in with all my heart. And then I stumble. No, I really am. I re-sign up. I'm in with all my heart. And then i and i'm in with all my heart and it just looks like this but it does go up yeah over the years but you have to keep re-signing up i'm in with everything i submit i set my heart to obey yeah and you do that a million however many times you know before you die but is that how it is for you too
1: yeah you were breaking up you were breaking up a little bit there i think your connection went kind of bad okay but but you, I, I under,
0: I think you we caught everything
1: that you were. We we caught everything you were saying about, about you're going up on a trajectory. But sometimes it like levels out and goes down a little bit. And uh, yeah, it's so important. It's it's really important that people. Uh, I think understand that, like, I, that's how my my life is. I, I, I actually, like, I'll have times where I, my heart is super tender towards the Lord. Like, I can sit in the car, be going somewhere, my wife's driving, and I open up the book of Zechariah, and I just got, like, tears rolling down my face, and, then, and the love of God is just hitting my heart, and I'm like, man, like, this is where I want to be the rest of my life. And then I'll have other days where, you know, I open up the Bible and I'm like, is this even real? <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and so and then I'll have other days where my heart's super tender again. And so it's like um, it's the commitment to just not quit. Right. It's like it's one thing like you stumble and like, oh, I, I know I need to refocus, but it's, a, it's another thing to quit. And so my encouragement yeah. would be like, hey, stumbling is going to happen. Just get signed back up as soon as you can. Yes. Um, don't quit. Just never That's quit. the
0: big thing. Because if you don't sign back up, you know, if you start going down, if you don't repent, you're just gonna (laughs) Yeah, you're gonna gonna fall away altogether until you repent. Yeah.
1: And and you won't hear most pastors say it. You won't hear most churches say it. But like the apostles make it really clear, like it destroys your faith and it destroys your life and it destroys your life. Yeah, it destroys your life before God. You know. And so some people think they can do that. And, and like, but everything's fine, because intellectually, I agree with the doctrines of the Bible. And it's like, Jesus isn't asking for your intellectual agreement. He's actually asking for you to lay your life down and obey him. And there's a big difference. And he's not asking you to be awesome and perfect. He's asking you to surrender yourself to him. And there's, there's just, we got to get outside of the like, well, yeah, intellectually, I agree with all the main ideas. And so I'm saved. That's not, that's not salvation.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's good. i wanted i want to get to oh go ahead were you going to say something
1: zach asked a question here yeah that's what Um, i was going to get
0: to i love this question i want to answer it go ahead yep go for it i'll read it and then i'll give you first crack at it because this is right now
1: i'll read it and you and i'll read it and then you answer
0: okay deal (laughs) okay
1: So, so, so can you guys talk a little bit about uh those of the church who don't align with this theology like even myself a few years ago would have said that the gospel ended um at jesus
0: yeah, so speak, I, uh, Jesus' first coming, I assume, is what he's talking about there when he says, right did it, Jesus. I can... Yeah, so, I, I, Zach, I love this question, dude. I appreciate you asking it. And honestly, I, if, if I were having a cup of coffee with somebody and they were just looking at me, it's like, Jeff, I love you. I hear what you're saying, but I just... I don't know. I don't believe that. And I don't align with that theology about the return of Jesus and the blessed hope and all this stuff. And I think when Jesus came at the first time, that was the end. I would, I would just ha- lovingly, I would have a conversation with them. And I would, I would, I would ask him why, 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 why do you think that the first coming of Jesus, that was the end of everything. And, um, yeah. and then I would actually just open scriptures with them if they were willing and just say let's just read some of these passages and i might ask them questions about it and um so i would just have a conversation and i would just show them the scriptures and give them an opportunity because my you know there, there can be different reasons why uh they don't like the second coming of jesus or they don't like talking about the second coming of jesus and um so some of that is because of the way they've been taught they've been mistaught um They've been taught the gospel in a way that's different yeah. from the way the apostles taught it in the new Testament. And so I would say, Hey, let's look at these passages yeah. that you probably haven't thought about and let's read all these passages. And then they have a choice to make is, are they going to base their theology upon what they see plainly that the word says, or are they going to base their theology on their traditional way they've been taught or, or what their preference is. And the reality is, is there, you're gonna build on sand or you're gonna build your life on a rock. And I, I wanna make sure that I'm building what I think about God up upon clearly what the what God says about God on the Bi- in the Bible, in the New yeah. Testament. So I would probably just have an honest conversation. If they were honest enough with me to say, hey, I don't align with your theology, I'd love it. Because mm-hmm. I'd be like, dude, thank you for being real. Now let's have an honest conversation. Let's yeah. talk about it and and um, and yeah. let's get to the word and let that be the final um the final word, so to speak. Yeah. So, so good. hopefully that answered your question. What do you say, Ray?
1: Yeah, I I would just say I I a couple of things. The my short answer would be we need to read less books. Um, in the in the sense of like we have a lot of like niche niche niche, what do you what's the way to say it? Niche 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 ideas um that are kind of like subplots that come off of the main thrust of the gospel. Um, and they're just, oftentimes it's just a little bit short-sighted. So um, I'm not saying don't read books. I'm saying we, we have to, It's not. yeah, let me you read the
0: Bible you. more. You read the books about the Bible.
1: Yeah, read the, read the Bible more. And, yeah. and then the books you read, don't read them and think, I really trust this person, so this has to be good. I don't ever look at the author and think this is going to be rock solid because I like this author. I I test it to the word and it has to be tested to the word. So, um, you know, as I was saying earlier, like when we're going through Genesis 1 or Genesis 3 through Revelation 22, like I want to be more familiar with that than my favorite author's book or his sermon or her sermon or whatever. Um, so that would be my first thought is be more committed to the word than anybody's teaching. My th- that includes this podcast uh, or anybody's book. Yeah. Um, Amen. And then, and then two, like um, I, I oftentimes ask people and myself is what are you hoping for? Cause whatever they're hoping for is how they, is what is the way that they read the Bible. So if they're hoping for like more money in their bank account, uh, a better job, uh, a nicer car, um, better health, which none of those things are bad things. They're not evil things. They're not unethical things. I'm not saying that. Um, but if that is like ultimately where their hope is at, like Jesus has big dreams for your life and he's going to fulfill them and like that's the hope, then I would say that their hope falls short biblically from, from the overall thrust of what the apostles taught. All of the hope and faith that the apostles talk about in the New Testament is almost always, almost always, always linked to the second coming of Jesus and not to a temporary blessing. Um, the temporary blessings are actually a side note to the ultimate blessing of Jesus returning. Now, I would not say, I would not, when I, if I was having that conversation with somebody, I might not say it that boldly because I would want to be tender in my approach of like, hey, let's like, you know, read Acts chapter three. Let's read uh, Titus chapter two, verse 11 through 14, um, and just walk through how Peter, Paul, James, John talked about living their life and what to expect and hope. And our hope has to be linked primarily in the return of Jesus and the restoration of all things. Uh, if it is not, we will live sorely disappointed in this life and may, and our faith may even fail. So I lost you there, buddy. Are you muted?
0: Thank you. Yeah, I was okay. muted. Okay. I would say too, I've actually had this happen. I had a pastor um, message me one time and say, Hey, I'd love to have a conversation with you about your end times theology. Cause you know, he, there were some things that he didn't agree with that I had said, and I, I appreciated it actually. I was like, yeah. So we met for coffee and we had the most awesome conversation and I was like, yeah. So what are like, what are, first of all, I want to hear, what about my theology do you not agree with? And I want to hear that first of all, because there's a possibility I could be wrong. And if, if he says, well, you said this, and I don't agree with that, then my next thing would be like, okay, like I, I, can you show me in the Bible why what I just said was wrong? And Mm. can you show me it in the Bible? Because I, I want to hear this. And if I could see it clearly in the word, I mean, I want to adjust my theology to line up with what the word says. And, and I, I, I iron sharpens iron and I need people to sharpen me. So that can be helpful for me. Um, but this, but the second thing that, that I would probably do if they, they said, I, you said this and I don't agree with it. And I'd, pro- if I, I would probably open the word and say, well, I understand you don't agree with it. Let me just show you this scripture is what I base that thought on. It's because of what this says. That's what I believe it. And I know you probably need to think that through. You may not even agree with it right now but that's that's where i'm coming from i'm basing it upon my understanding of this scripture and this is how i see it and then i talk with them about that scripture and just have a conversation about the word with them it's good yeah
1: yeah cool you're, you're, you're Zach, more gracious Thanks for than asking me. <laughs> i don't like having those conversations <laughs> Ugh. it's well, not my favorite
0: <laughs> yeah you know it's edifying It it was actually a really edifying, that conversation was like, we, we actually, it it was, I enjoyed it. I would do it again with that guy, man. I liked it. Yeah. So, but not all, they don't always go that way. Right. It it depends upon the spirit that the person's coming in. Sometimes they just want to argue. If they just want to argue, uh, you know, I won't really engage them in that conversation over and over again. So, right. Right. Yeah. Awesome, dude. Well, Hey, let's, uh, check out unless you got something else on this new covenant, good stuff.
1: I think we're good. Let's pray and, and be done.
0: Okay. Sounds great. So Lord, we just, uh, we love you and we thank you for this new covenant, Lord. And, uh, we ask that you would, for everyone that's listening to this, I pray that they would call upon the Lord right now. God, you've made promises to all of us, Lord to Israel And we're included through them to all of us, God, we can be part of this wonderful kingdom that you're coming back and you're going to build on the earth and you're going to reign from Jerusalem and make all the wrong things. Right. And we'll get resurrected bodies and you're going to judge the wicked and remove evil from the planet and establish righteousness. And Lord, we want to be part. We want to live on the earth when that is happening. And so father, we say, yes, We say yes to your covenant that you've offered us through your son, Jesus. We thank you that our sins are forgiven through him and we set our hearts to obey you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you guys for listening. And I just want to say real quickly, I encourage you to uh, like, Oh, you already had it going, didn't you? There you you go. go. (laughs) Yeah. to encourage you to to like um, subscribe to the YouTube channel and uh, like, and share this video. And then also, if you want to learn more just about the overview of the biblical storyline and God's kingdom on the earth and what the Bible says about it, I encourage you to check out this book that I wrote called Paradise, God's Eternal Plan for People on the Earth. And I think it would be a blessing to you. God bless you guys. Amen.